This episode is sponsored by Kendo UI. Kendo UI allows you to build better apps faster. They have a comprehensive library ranging from data grids and charts to buttons and sliders. Plus, you can use their components as plain JavaScript as well as in Angular, React, and Vue. They have a large collection of customizable popular themes like Bootstrap and Material. Go check them out at javascriptjabber.com slash kendoui. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of JavaScript Jabber. This week on our panel, we have Amy Knight. Hello from Nashville. Hey, Jay O'Neill. Yo, 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 coming at you live from sunny Provo. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And this week, we have a special guest, and that's Dotan Nahum. Hey, guys. Do you want to say hello? Introduce yourself? Sure. So uh, I'm Dotan. I'm from uh, Tel Aviv, doing open source for a while. Did this uh, tool recently called Hygen. Uh, recently worked for Klarna. Um, now starting like uh, joining a new company called HireScore. Cool. Yeah, we brought you on today to talk about Hygen and code generators. Uh, do you yeah. want to just give us the quick elevator pitch for Hygen? Yeah, so um, Hygen is a code generator. But it's not a scaffolding sort of uh, generator like, uh, let's say, uh, Yeoman or Cookie, cookie Cutter, if you're coming from uh, Python. It's, um, it's a code generator, generator that lives in your code. So it's embedded in your, into your workflow. Um, and it really need, it wants to be um, very performant. Uh, it is simple. And also, it has to be very flexible. So these are the three core values that I've I've built Hygen around. Nice, and and I love code generators. So I I kind of grew up in Ruby on Rails. Yeah, and it has uh, code generators built into it, and that is just kind of a a critical automation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Way. So that's uh, I think I I started doing Rails in uh, two thousand and six. You know, back when the the blog post demo, like uh, build uh, build your own blog in whatever it was, like 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was the, the wow. Like in 2006, I think, uh, what you had to use if you wanted to build a product on the web was like in Java, maybe Struts or JSF. And .NET, you had like .NET 2. And PHP was sort of considered like cutting edge. And uh, Python had SherryPy, which was really not usable, um, you know, if you wanted to build something uh, on the web. And then Rails came, and it, it really was miles ahead everything. Uh, and this whole concept of using a tool to actually help you develop something was, for me, it was, like, mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. So this is something I think I carried, like, you know, take it 12 years into the future, this is something, a wow, uh, you know, a wow moment I'm carrying with me, uh, I think, since, since then. Um, and and that's, that's definitely something I, I hijacked. I mean, I, I wanted the Rails generators everywhere. So the whole Rails tie and, you know, Rails generators are built on Thor. Um, mm-hmm. So the whole package, I wanted it in the fronted world. And that's how Hygen came to be. Very cool. Now, um, just to clarify, some of the capabilities here, um, and I'm, you know, I'm going to work off of my experience with various code generators. 
Um, incidentally, you also have things like the Angular CLI. They're adding in schematics, which sounds like it's pretty similar to this. Um, right. So you can you can generate a file. Can you also modify files with your code generator, like insert a line or something like that? Or is it just uh, complete yeah, yeah. files at this point? Definitely, definitely. So basically everything you know from Rails, uh, mm-hmm. you, you have there. And I, I didn't just copy it like, you know, uh, as is, I just remembered uh, the the good things you have in in Rails Generator, like the ability to inject gems, right? So that's like something that you get built mm-hmm. in. Um, so I just took that idea in Rails and made it generic. So in Hygen, you can inject whatever. You can inject gems or you inject packages for your uh, package.json file if this is a front-end project. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, definitely, that totally Rails was the inspiration. So my question, I read your post on Medium about using this alongside Create React. Create React. Ah, I cannot talk today. I've been getting over a cold. Uh, create React app. Do you want to talk about how this pairs nicely with that? Yeah, so <clears throat> I guess when you, when you want to think about boilerplate, uh, you say Redux, right? Or the other way around. When you say Redux, you think about boilerplate. So um, when Redux um, came out with, with the whole Flux uh, idea, it is a very tiny library, but it, it does uh, lead you into building scalable or modular architectures uh, for front-end apps. And the idea that a front-end app has an architecture is already something that is, uh, if I could say, groundbreaking. Um, but when you think about an architecture, then you have a lot of building blocks. And when you think about a lot of building blocks, then you have, I guess, boilerplate. So it's sort of like, you know, it fuels uh, both both sides. Um, so with Redux, you have quite a few uh, files you probably want to have in your Redux app and probably a lot of repetition, which is um, less than ideal. And there are plenty of uh, libraries to solve that, like they generate code for you, uh, but they just, in my opinion, they just hide away uh, things that you might want in the future. For example, there are plenty of libraries that will hide away uh, the action constants because that's, that's very easy to do, things to do. It's very intuitive uh, to hide them away under a function. Um, but there is this, uh, let's say, rare, but uh, this scenario exists where you might want to take to tear apart your, a chunk of your application and drop it in a package somewhere and then have your main application host that part. And now if you ask yourself, how, how does this, these two parts communicate, then the answer is by constants. And then, then you would, if you use any abstraction, any library that ties this away, you, at that point you would drop it and then go back to manually coding your constants. So that, that is just one example. So in order to avoid that, I mean, I bumped into these use cases and, I, and the solution I came up with is to generate code. And, and that actually lets you enjoy uh, both worlds. So if you take Redux and you take Create React App and you combine the two and you also add in 
the idea that today, in today's fronted world, you generate a, you make a component so you can generate that component, but then you also have to have a test and you have to have a storybook, and and so on and so forth. So a component is really an array of files and an array of assets that you would generate. Part of these are like you know the React, the standard React thing, like storybook and and tests and whatever. And part of this, a good part of that, would be the Redux infrastructure for that component, for that page, or whatever. So that is how everything fits together. I can see how that would be helpful. I think especially, I don't know, from a newer developer standpoint, if you have people on your team and they create a component, like you just know, if I create a component, I have to write a test for it. <laughs> Those files there. Yeah, yeah. And, and actually, it, all, it also... Rhymes well when the let's say a team is running uh, running for a while, and then this team develops its own set of principles for doing components. Let's say uh, they only used uh, style components for styling, or JavaScript styles, or CSS, or whatever. Um, if you wanna onboard someone, then you actually don't need to on onboard someone. You just have the generators, and these guide uh, the new team member through all of the principles of the team. And if you want to standardize this, for example, if you want to create a standard UX uh, guideline or create a storybook that is actually uh, the kitchen sink for everything, then you can actually bake, bake in the asset you need to generate in order for this to exist. So I would generate a standard, uh, let's say, kitchen sink version of my component. So I wouldn't need to build it manually, it would just be generated for me. And then I take my component and the generated code just plugs it into the kitchen sink. So it's just like, you know, it's a force multiplier and what you can do with it, because JavaScript lets you have all this freedom, you can actually plug through generating code, you can plug everything you do into the existing workflow and also onboard new people into whatever you're doing for you know, for the last year, for example. The, the other thing that comes to mind with this is not just the example of, you know, having a standardized way of doing components or a standardized look and feel the components, but also um, let's say that I want to get going with, I don't know, Redux and GraphQL, and I want them to talk nicely together. I'm going to use Apollo. You know, I could use Hygen to generate the glue code between them, right? Because it's going to yeah. be pretty similar between all of them. Um, yeah. Similarly, if I'm then going to plug in some authentication system on the back end in Express and I want that authentication system to play nicely on the front end, then I can also run generators for both of those. And so if there are common features that you're pulling together, then it can use the generators in order to build those out. Right, one, thing right. I'm one, one thing I'm wondering though is if let's say that I generate on the front end that authentication piece, you know, so I have a login link or something like that. And I also have this common look and feel for components. Can I stack those up so that Hygen will say, this is my common uh, component framework, and then this is my authentication framework, and I'm going to merge them? Let me see if I understood you. So when you say framework, what do you mean? So framework's probably a poor term. Template. So I have a template for the... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, so the login to, component, and then I have another template for just components so that I get the common look and feel. 
Is there yeah, a way to so, put those together so it'll run them both together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the uh, the structure of uh, so let's take a step back for a moment. So if you if you even wanted to uh, do this, right? If you had the, your project and then you said to yourself, "Oh, this is a nice idea. I want to generate code, whatever." What would you do? So uh, the basic thing for let's say a front developer, the the first thing that goes into your mind is probably Yellow Man. Um, which was very, very big, like I think in 2012. Um, it's probably still uh, widely used. But the thing is with Yeoman is that you use it when you want to scaffold an entire project. So then you would create a new project, a, a Yeoman project, which is a separate thing. You would, um, you know, you would inject... Um, your ideas into it and suddenly it becomes a new product so you have your own uh, thing that you're working on but then you you have a new thing which is a generator and the whole thing doesn't flow because you go into your day job you do your work and then you jump into your generator project and you start doing the tweaks and then you need to build it and release it and then go to your day job project and then pull it and then see how everything works. It doesn't work. Um, and especially when this is a team. So with Hygen, since everything lives inside your day job project, you just go into your templates folder, which is already there, drop a few files, and then you have a new generator. And that's it. So to gotcha. come back to your, to your question, um, the thing is the templates folder uh, that Hygen um, scans is structured in a way that the first the, the folder is the generator and, and every file is just an action. So you would do, uh, let's say, if, if we take the Rails example, so you have Rails model uh, new, whatever, then you would just make a folder called model and a folder called new and then drop whatever files you want in there. Um, so the directory structures auto, automatically, automatically maps into the command structure. So this is like an opinionated thing I had to choose in order to not complicate, uh, to overcomplicate things. So, uh, so yeah, you can stack these. You can even execute a few generators. This is something that someone requested. Um, but yeah, definitely. Gotcha. So basically what you're saying is, is that I could have the, the login component generator call the component generator. And if I've modified the component generator, it'll just do all, it'll put all the pieces in the right place because the component generator knows where the general component pieces go and the login component generator knows how to fill in the rest of the component. Yeah. So you can build your generator however you want it. And you can also have, I'm not sure if this exists in Rails, but you can have a shell, uh, a shell action. So the the, the various templates uh, follow um, a set of actions. So in each template, mm -hmm. you can you can do an action. So an action is an inject action, right. and file addition action. So there's also a shell action, mm -hmm. which is the you know the it's just a, a way out. If you want to do something not standard, if you want to run grep, if you want to run uh, I don't know a gem install or a yarn install, whatever. You can just execute a shell command, and that is a shell template. Uh, so you can do whatever. You can make a generator that calls a generator that calls a generator, whatever. 
as long as it is standard uh, shell command, you can model it however you want. Yeah, that's effectively how the Rails scaffold generator works, where it calls oh, awesome. a bunch of other generators, right? So it inserts the um, it inserts the route into the routing file, and it creates all the style sheets and creates the you know, and all of those are generators on their own. The the scaffold controller generator and all that stuff. Those yeah, are all just generators that. that it calls. Yeah, that's cool. So, is there a way for me to share my generators in a separate package? Yeah. So, um, initially, there's an, there's another principle that I've used with Hygen, uh, which is something I borrowed from the Go uh, community. So, with Go or how Go was was developed, is that um, they set out a, a certain uh, feature set. Um, that they were sure they can build. They know how to build and effectively uh, release. Uh, for example, they didn't do generics and they didn't do, uh, at first, they didn't do dependency management. They left it for the community. So um, when I first built Hygen, I, I knew there's something I'm not sure I, I know how to solve, which is how to share packages. Because there are probably like five or six ideas uh, that I can have for that, for how people can do it. Um, but I didn't have this one one way, one correct way to do it that I was certain it is the way. So I just didn't do it. So I released Hygen, and then I started uh, getting like feature requests for people wanting to share uh, packages. And then this guy approached and showed the tool he built on top of Hygen um, that does this. Um, and then I just embraced it. And that's the, that is the best way to do it. It's called hygiene dash add. Uh, and that also, um, also may also realized, I also realized through that, that instead of baking these things into hygiene, I can leave it simple. The whole code base, I can leave everything as simple as it is. And then have satellite tools uh, to to follow whatever you want. So if you want to, if you want the capability, capability for packages, then you use hygiene dash add, which is a completely different tool. If we just want hygiene, you use hygiene. And there's there's also hygiene dash create, which is a tool that scans uh, your existing components as you wrote them, and it will generate a template out of it automatically. This was done by uh, uh, a guy called Ron. Uh, amazing project. You can, if, you, if you have right now whatever component you have, you just give it the name of the component, it scans the component, and just, just extracts a template from it, and that's your new generator. Um, so it, this approach works well, um, and it allowed me to just you know, um, build a simple code base that is very nice to go into, go back into every time and maintain it. Um, was just awesome. When you start a new project, typically you need things like a domain name, hosting, things like that. When I choose hosting, I pick mine for the options it gives. I like to know what I'm getting and set things up just how I like them. This is why for your projects, you should check out Linode. Linode servers feature native SSD storage, a 40 gigabyte network, and Intel E5 processors. That's all the power you need to run VMs under full control or Docker containers, who doesn't love that, encrypted disks, and VPNs. 
Plus, they have 10 data centers across the world and add-ons like Backups, Node Balancer, and Longview to help you control your server costs. They also offer block storage for your static files, and you can get started with a $20 credit if you use the code JavaScriptJabber2018. That credit is good for four months on their one gigabyte server. That's a lot of time to try them out and see if they're the right fit for you. That code again is JavaScriptJabber2018. Also, if you're interested in working for Linode, they're hiring. Head to linode.com slash careers to see their available positions. So how did you start getting people? Because like the community of, of React and Redux and all that is so big. How did you start carving out a section of community to, to bring to Hygen and to get those followers and, and that community contribution and, and involvement? Yeah, well, the funny thing is um, that Hygen uh, is or was supposed to be a very, very small tool uh, out of a complete stack. So at the time, um, I was trying to build Rails over Node.js. So I guess when someone hears this, this thing, this sentence uh, is a bit funny because there are probably eight Rails clones um, in Node.js. But when I, when I tried using every of the other, clo- of the other clones uh, or the ports or the project that was, were inspired by Rails, um, they all felt um, maybe not baked, maybe deserted, whatever. You can check this out. Like there are sales trails and probably more uh, forks of the same same project. There's feathers. There's whatever. I don't recall everything, but there's plenty of projects, and I felt that none of them were simple simple enough for my use. So what I decided to do is to take Express and to take um, and to hunt down very solid Node.js libraries and add just a very minimal amount of DSL or API or boilerplate code that turns them into, let's say, a Rails-like uh, component. So, uh, for example, uh, I took SQLize, which is a standard uh, and very robust Node.js ORM, and just added enough sugar on top of it to look like active record. I didn't invent my own ORM like the other uh, Rails-inspired uh, projects out there. I just took whatever there was. I added maybe maybe 100 lines of code, and it became, became so much uh, more easy to use. So that was my active model. And then I took the whole routing idea in Express, and made it more, uh, you know, ESX, and then I made it more like um, um, a very humane um, DSL on top of it to behave a little bit like the Rails routes. So all of that was maybe 50 lines of code. So then I, I, I just moved the step by step like that, uh, building very tiny libraries that give you the maximum impact. And then I, I, I bumped into the idea of generators. And I built Hygen, and that was supposed to be it. Uh, but when I released it, uh, there was like this unexpected, um, you know, it was completely unexpected. People like uh, sent me emails and issues and feature requests. It was so overwhelming that I, I immediately, I, I was just around Hygen for like uh, a few good months. Um, the whole stack is still, um, 
work in progress. If you really snoop around and go on my GitHub and search for hyper, just that word, you 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 will probably see all of the components out there. Uh, but it's still I'm still building it. And yeah, that's 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 the story. So I never really uh targeted uh audience. Just build a tool that you know uh scratched my own itch and I guess it it really struck um, other people's problems as well. So, do you want to walk through? Because we 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 keep bringing up Rails. I want to make sure that we talk through something that people are more familiar with. So, is is there a way that you use this? Amy mentioned the Medium post about how you use it with Create React app. So, you want to just talk through how you use it with a React app or an Angular app or a Vue app or something like that? Yeah. So, so basically, you need to have uh, a problem first, right? So. If you have a small code base and you're pretty happy with it and, and the developer experience is pretty good, then you probably don't need that. Uh, you don't need any code generator that will help you along uh, the way. But if you have a big team, if you have one project uh, with multiple teams, maybe 10 teams like I had, uh, then you totally, you probably totally need a code generator. Um, so the way you would use that in Redux project is you would probably take your various Redux elements, you know, like uh, actions, action creators, whatever, all the boilerplate, and and then create generators per something. So, so this something would be, if you, mod- if you model your Redux app in a way that every feature is a module, then you have, you would have a generator per feature. Um, and that depends on your uh, app architecture. So this is personally this is how I how I model my my uh, apps. So I I do this like per feature. Uh, I have an entire world of content per feature. So that that is where the generators help me. So if I want a new feature, I would just generate it with the entire folder structure, with the entire boilerplate files, everything. Um, so if you don't have this, let's say um, deep architecture style in your uh, Redux apps, then you probably can can make do with generating components. Uh, only that has its own boilerplate. So you need to have your tests, your storybooks, um, et cetera. Um, and that's that's the, the first thing that goes into my mind when I'm thinking about, uh, let's say, React app. Uh, Vue is probably similar. Angular... Um, with my short experience, I guess that would be uh, services and views and templates. Uh, you could generate those, um, and that that's just uh, shooting from my hip, I guess. Makes sense to me. Thanks for that. I'm also imagining things like Docker files and build scripts and Webpack configs and all the other stuff that isn't specific to a framework. Yeah, you could you could generate a scaffold, uh, so like every other generator. So Hygen wouldn't offer a very big advantage here, uh, because you could take like cookie cutter from Python uh, and model your scaffold on cookie cutter. Uh, I guess the only advantage that Hygen would uh, offer here is that you again you could bake all of that as part of your project. You don't need to jump into a different folder or to jump into someone else's project, which is a, a completely dedicated generator project that someone maintained once 
uh, you know, a year ago or something. And then you need to get up to speed and understand how everything is built. And this becomes an entire, uh, you know, entire software project on its own. So with Hygen, it's just part of, of, of the day-to-day. So there is very little chance you wouldn't bump into a pull request that doesn't have like this template inside it. So, and that, that's another thing. Um, so when you build your own generated, generator as a separate project, so how, how can you guarantee that it goes through every standard that you, you have in your team? Um, so if you submit a, a pull request, then people uh, would review the code for the feature, but they wouldn't review uh, the code that generated this code. So with Hygen, you can review everything um, in a one stop under the same pull request. And that guarantees uh, that your generator is always up to date and maintained and fresh, which is a huge, huge pain point with a generator that builds a, to do, have to build a project for. So my Yeoman projects are so deserted. I mean, I, mm-hmm. every time I built a Yeoman project, it was a very, it was a great experience at the start, but half a year uh, forward, and it becomes this project you don't want to touch. Um, so that feeling, I hate it. Um, and that, that is one thing I wanted to solve with Hygen. Got it. So what's coming next in Hygen? So um, let me see. I actually have uh, like a, a list with requests from the top of my mind, uh, a VS Code integration uh, so that you could just, you know, issue a command. You could have a drop down of all of your generators. Uh, you would select one and then you would input your variables, parameters, and it would use VS Code to generate code for you. Uh, so you don't need to drop to shell and you don't need to uh, remember your generators or list them manually in your shell. Uh, everything as part of your VS Code experience. That sounds uh, pretty awesome, actually. <laughs> yeah. I'm usually more of a command line person, but the more I work in Visual Studio Code, the more I love it. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm also like a hardcore uh, CLI. I used Vim and then NVim. Uh, but there's something about VS Code. Um, I mean, I also used Atom with Vim mode for a very long uh, time and denied myself uh, going to VS Code. But there's something about VS Code that is very mature. Um, but really, it, it comes from uh, a team that, I guess, built, uh, or uh, a team that knows the team that built Visual Studio. Um, so... Yeah. Also, when I looked at the API for VS Code, they were they were great. Um, so I'm looking forward to actually build this into VS Code because I know I'll 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 bump into a very nice API to work against. Um, so yeah, that that's that's one thing. Uh, another thing uh, that I plan to do is to build a reporter infrastructure. So when Hygen runs. It goes through uh, uh, a few stages. So let's skip ahead and, and think about the value I want to get from this. Um, so I want to get, for example, um, how many files were generated? How long did it take? How, how much time did I potentially save for you? So, and this is all heuristics, right? 
So if, if it takes me five minutes to manually build a component, a React component, and maybe, uh, let's say, I don't know, 10 minutes to write a test for this and, and a storybook for this component, then all in all, these are like uh, order of 20 minutes that slowly crept through my day-to-day. And I'll have these probably five minutes here, five minutes there. And all these become something that you can accumulate and put a finger on and say, oh, all this boilerplate takes so much from my day-to-day. Um, so here's a tool that I can use that, you know, strike those out. So um, eventually I want to get to a point that Hygiene tells you how much time it saved for you. And for that to <laughs> nice. happen, for that to happen, I need a reporter infrastructure in it. So I need to actually trace all of the stages and output them in a standard format, for example, JSON, and then have this nice data structure um, that I could turn into a table that tells you how, how much time was spent. Or, and this is a bigger idea, uh, imagine if you have a big team or maybe 10 teams, each of these using Hygiene, and you take this reporter infrastructure and connect it to Google Analytics, and now you have analytics over your, uh, your usage of code generators. So if you manage a team and you go to your Google Analytics and you open it up and you see, uh, I don't know, 500 components generated this week or maybe 20 pages generated or whatever, suddenly it becomes this new thing. It's completely new. I mean, I didn't, I didn't see anything like that out there. But think about Google Analytics for your code. Um, so that, that is fascinating for me. I can't wait to start building this. Um, so this is another, another big thing uh, that I plan to do with Hygiene. Uh, and there's also, uh, also an idea to build a Hygiene server. So this is a separate process that is always on. And the way the, the idea is that it should shorten the, let's say, 130 milliseconds it takes for hygiene to, to start up and generate something. This is, the, this is from the benchmarks and always running. So it takes around 130 milliseconds. And if I have uh, like a, uh, a daemon running, always running in the background, and then I have a command line communicating with it, I can probably shorten it to around 50 milliseconds. And it might sound strange that I'm doing these optimizations, but I do believe that um, uh, when you optimize your UX to do under 100 millisecond uh, latencies, because 100 millisecond is the perceived, uh, is the uh, amount of time that, that humans can perceive slowness, uh, I believe that is true for command line too. So I want to be below 100 milliseconds. So this is this is another another thing I plan to do with with hygiene. Um, and a few few other small things. Uh, and there's also something that is not connected to hygiene, but is part of the work that I did there. So the documentation site hygiene has turns out it it can be pretty generic. So I'm going to going to extract it all. 
and build a new project out of it that you, anyone can take and generate a documentation site for his open source tool or library or whatever. Um, so all these are in the work. Yeah. Nice. Well, um, I'm just going to encourage people to go check it out. And uh, I, I think we need to push into picks. So is there anything else that people should know or are there ways that the people can follow you on say Twitter or GitHub or maybe have a blog somewhere, things like that? Uh, well, yeah. Um, I mean, you can follow me on Twitter, GitHub or anything really under John Dot. That is J-O-N-D-O-T. That's basically it. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do some picks then. Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter DevChat in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Amy, do you have some picks for us? I do. So the first one, and I might just stick at this one today because I thought it was actually really good. It's called uh, Deep Copying in JavaScript. And a lot of people, I think, that are new to JavaScript, um, and this is like a fairly common thing that you want to do. I think not everybody realizes that um, like you spread and stuff like that doesn't do a deep copy. So this is on Surma's blog. He's a developer advocate for Google. And uh, I don't know, he went through and tested out various options of like deep copying. Like you can use um, json.parse and you pass json stringify to that. And that actually was usually the best option for deep copying, which you would think maybe it, it wouldn't necessarily be. Anyways, it was kind of a rabbit hole of a blog post, but I like this kind of stuff and I found it kind of informative. So that's gonna be my pick for today. And I feel like I need to apologize to the listeners for my voice because it's really bad. <laughs> Doesn't sound that bad from here. It's getting a little bit better, but it's been pretty bad. <laughs> All right. AJ, what are your picks? So first and foremost, I think I will pick Let's Encrypt. For those that don't know, they came out with a version two. So it's actually Acme Draft 11, but it's lots of people are calling it version two. It's actually Acme Drift 11. Anyway, um, and I've been playing with the API for that and, and updated the, the client that I have in, in Node for it. And it just makes me happy that we have free SSL um, on the web. And so uh, we'll pick Let's Encrypt. Um, and then I will also pick, again, the Nintendo Switch and Breath of the Wild. It's been a while, like almost a year, 
but I picked it back up again. I still haven't finished it. I got in this fervor where I was playing it all the time, and then I just got focused again and had like literally did not play it for I don't know more than six months, and finally picked it back up. And I'm trying to figure out where I am again so I can, you know, continue on my hero's journey. And I I can't, but I love it. So uh, I'll pick that again. And that is all for today. Nice. I'm going to jump in with a couple of picks. So it looks like I'm, I got a 50, 50 chance of going to uh, fluent comp. So if you're going to be a fluent comp, let me know. Um, I'm looking to do some podcast episodes, uh, kind of like we've done in the past for Microsoft events. Um, and I just, I'm just kind of trying to find a sponsor for that. So if you are interested or your company is interested in sponsoring me uh, to go out and do the, do those podcast episodes, um, you know, I'll do a shout out and things like that. Um, but yeah, um, if you're interested in that, let me know. Yes, and then, do that because I'll be there too and I want to see you, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Amy's fun to hang out with. Of course, at NG Atlanta, I think we spent a grand total of like 45 minutes together. So, yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'll let you carry on. <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, we actually did an interview out there. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Um, Besides that, uh, I have another pick. I'm going to pick Hotjar. And Hotjar is kind of a heat mapping tool for your applications. And uh, I'm really digging it. So um, I'm going to pick that as well. And then um, the devchat.tv website got a new theme. I've been using the newspaper theme probably for the last month. And I've been pretty happy with that. It looks good. Um, I'm adding new features as we go. So uh, I'm going to pick that as well. And the last pick I have is Ethereum. And I've been kind of tinkering with it. I need to finish tinkering with it and write my talk for RubyHack. I'm going to be speaking at RubyHack on blockchain and Ruby. Um, But anyway, that's just another thing that I've been fiddling with and and liking. So anyway, uh, those are my picks. Uh, Dotan, what are your picks? Yeah, so do you guys know ASDF? No. Yeah, it's... uh... (laughs) It's a tool. It's it's just the letters A S D and F on your keyboard, like in that order. A S D F. I thought it was uh, like when I'm just typing gibberish on my keyboard. Those are usually uh, the letters. Yeah. Like, so, 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 uh, colon. <laughs> I'm pretty happy that you don't know that because it's going to change your life. Um, so I don't know how why it's not that popular or people uh, uh, don't notice it that much, but. Uh, I'm using, I don't know, Python, uh, Ruby, Node.js, uh, Swift, all in the command line. Every every platform has its own, uh, you know, like uh, um, manager. Like you have Truby and you have RVN and you have RBNV and you have NVM for Node and you have uh, VirtualEnv for Python. Um, so ASDF is a tool. It's just one tool that does... Um, all of that for all all of the languages you probably can imagine. So uh, you just use that. Uh, so if you want Node.js, you just do ASDF uh, plugin add Node.js. It has the capability to do Node.js. And then you say ASDF, uh, I think Node.js install whatever version you want. And it does it as well as, as let's say, uh, RBNV. Um, and it does the shimming uh, perfectly and no magic tricks on your command line or environment. Everything works just perfectly. So I moved to that um, 
I think maybe a year ago. But just now I made a new build uh, for a, a new computer. Um, and through that, I was, was able to just delete all of the custom RBN, RBM, whatever, NVM code I had in my dot files. And my dot files is empty. It's just ASDF. Uh, so go ahead, try it. It's, it's amazing. That sounds really nice, especially where um, I do Rails, right? And then I have Node.js installed so I can do my uh, front-end builds, you know, whether I'm using Webpack or something else. Um, and Ruby actually has hooks now into Webpack. But, you know, same thing with Elixir and Phoenix or, you know, whatever other tools that I need. A lot of times I need a node alongside whatever else I'm doing. And so, yeah, this sounds really great because then I can just specify what I need for a particular uh, project and I can, I don't have to fiddle with, oh, I forgot to NVM over, even though I'm already yeah. using the right RBN or, you know, whatever for Elixir. Yeah, and it's a one-stop shop. I mean, if I want to try Elixir right now, it's just one command and I don't need to, I don't need to go and read the whatever environment uh, manager for Elixir is. Uh, and see how to install it and see how it works and how to integrate it into my shell. Uh, and it's all basically, if you think about it, it's all basically the same, uh, mm -hmm. the same code base, only different. You know, for NVM, it's probably uh, the same as RBNV. And I think the, I don't remember which language took from which language, but I think there was this one language who just copied RBNV and changed it. Changed it. Uh, but yeah, it's the same code base. So, uh, it's just this um, one of those tools that you think, why didn't they make it? Uh, why you know? Why didn't they think about it earlier? Uh, so it's amazing, really, really implemented. Yeah. The other thing that I always run into is, did I install this with Brew, or did I install it from Source, or did I install oh, yeah. it? You know. Yeah. And so yeah, they all came come in from the same system. So that sounds nice too. Right. So anyway, I'll stop riffing on your pick. I just this looks really great. All right. Well, anything else you want to throw in before we wrap this up? Um, yeah. I mean, you just said brew. So uh, you have brew and you have brew cask, but you also have brew uh, mass, which is M-A-S. Uh, and if you ever uh, installed, uh, you know, you can install command line apps with brew, but you can also install desktop apps with brew cask. But how do you install uh, apps that come from uh, the Apple Store, right? Mm -hmm. This is something that is uh, for a while I, I didn't have a solution for. So there's this tool called MAS, M-A-S. It's also open source. I think it's written in Ruby. Um, and it does all the magic, you know, to go to the App Store and do the install for you. So basically you can just um, add these, um, these lines to your brew file uh, and now you have Brew installing your command line apps, installing your desktop apps, and installing your Mac apps through App Store. So if you didn't know about it, then now you know. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming and talking to us. Um, we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up, and we will catch you all next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.